This podcast was created to educate listeners on the experiences of diverse individuals. However, all opinions expressed by the host or guests do not reflect the overall standing of Tarleton Radio or Tarleton State University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making Space a Diversity Dialogue. I'm your host, Cole, and this is a bi-weekly podcast where together we'll have questions answered about socially sensitive topics while learning how to create lasting relationships with diverse people. After last episode, where I talked with Kaylee Sixkiller about her experiences with adoption and to her family and into the Cherokee culture, it really had me thinking more about adoption and the foster care system and the fact that there are a lot of things you hear about the system and the children in it. But what is really the truth behind all that and what is it like to actually be in the foster care system? So I brought on a very good friend of mine. I've had her on the show before on the Student Mothers and Pregnant Students episode. It is Amanda Green-Williams. Hello. (laughs) She is a child development major at Tarleton and now has a lovely baby girl herself who actually happens to be here (laughs) if you hear any baby coos right now. And uh, will you give the folks just a quick introduction of yourself again and just a small summary of what you're experiencing foster care or with foster care was yeah of course um so uh, like cole said my name is amanda green williams um soon we'll drop the green um (laughs) but uh yeah i'm a child development here this is my third year at tarleton um i just had my baby in december she's about four months old uh very cute five months next week i can't believe it (laughs) oh yes um and i will say it's been a very bumpy ride so far when it comes to everything that's going on and then like having my own personal history between having a relationship with my mom and then my adopted mother and then becoming a mother myself Mm -hmm. and so there are things that I look out for and then there's also things that I like personally just kind of terrify me you know Um, just because there are things that unfortunately when you're in foster care when you're when you're in a situation to where you're taken away from your parent a lot of the times you're never you're never really given an explanation as to what your parent did wrong oh, um, of why you can't live with them anymore. They just said your parent did a bad thing or your parent's not ready to be a parent just yet. And at certain ages, that just kind of doesn't, it, it's not a really good explanation. I mean, yeah, it's sure. not an explanation to anyone. Hello, ma'am. Why are we fussing? You say you want to talk today too? <laughs> yeah. You say, I want to be on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It was actually uh, one of my questions was, uh, which we can get to more of later, but I really wanted to ask what they told you when everything happened, mm-hmm. when when your life changed, basically, when you were a kid. Yeah. Unfortunately, it wasn't the first time I never got an explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the a couple more times, I kind of already knew how it went. Oh, and see. so I was like, okay, I'm not going home, am I? You know, like... Mm-hmm. She did the bad thing again. She did this again. And sometimes, I know there are certain people that weren't legally able to tell me, but, like, my caseworker would come in, and she's like, yes, like, this is what happened, and we're going to have to send you somewhere else. And I was, of course, I was upset, you know. Even as a little kid that fully didn't understand everything in the world, I knew enough. Okay. How old were you when this happened? uh, I first got placed into the foster care system when I was, five I believe five almost six Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was on and off and 
until I was about seven when I was like officially removed from my mom and I never went back. And then I was adopted a couple of years later. Wow. Well, and, and we'll get more into that experience, but that that's kind of where Amanda is coming from and, and the experiences and the kind of expertise in this sort of situation. Um, but first, I want to, before we hit our questions and some other things I want to hit, I want to go through a vocabulary really quick for folks that may not quite understand what some of these words mean. Uh, the first one I want to want to hit on is foster care. So the foster care system or the system, sometimes it's called, it's a temporary service provided by states for children who cannot live with their families. Uh, children in foster care may live with relatives or with unrelated foster parents. And foster care can also refer to the placement um, of settings in, in group homes and residence facilities, emergency shelters, and uh, supervised independent living sort of situations. And then we have foster children, and those are children who are placed in the foster care system for various reasons, um, but it's not limited to uh, the removal of the custody from parents by Child Protective Services. That's just kind of the example that a lot of people hear, but that's generally what it is. And then foster parents, they are a person who cares for a child who is not his or her biological child and is basically trained by, um, by the state to be able to be a foster parent. And then, of course, adoption, which we've heard before. Adoption is the action or legally taking another's child and bringing it up as your own or is just adoption. You're taking in a child and legally claiming it as your own. Mm-hmm. And then I want to talk about some statistics because I think that's really important to know where we kind of stand in the nation as far as the foster care system and how many children are in that system and and just it's a it's a decent sized group that we need to focus on and learn about. The latest numbers taken in September of 2018 there were an estimated 437,283 children in foster care. And that was only taken on a single date. Of course, that changes pretty regularly as it goes. But of that date, that's how many there were. And then 46% of those children were in non-relative foster homes, meaning they weren't with a familial relative or a biological relative. The median age of those children in foster care in September of 2018 was about seven, seven and a half years old. So that's thinking about those uh, that age group and... Actually, thinking about Amanda, I think she said she was about seven, seven when that happened, when you were permanently taken away, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, about If we're going to look at the demographics for a second, that's 44% of those children were white, 23% were African American, 21% were Hispanic, and 10% were other races or multiracial And then specifically in Texas, looking at those numbers in 2018, there were 52,397 children in foster care. I just really wanted to get those numbers to you guys listening to hear how many percentage-wise with the children in Texas. It doesn't seem like that much, but that's a a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids who 
who need homes or need someone to really, really care about them. Yeah. Next up, I really want to kind of talk about the myths associated with the foster care system and what you hear. And me and Amanda are going to discuss those a little bit. I looked a lot of them up on different sites, uh, especially associated with foster care. A lot of them were like debunking those type of myths, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw them out there and we can talk about them a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So the first one I've got is um, foster parents are only in it for the money. I've actually really, I've really heard this one. And and that's that's coming from people who don't really know. Um, Do you know much about the financial gains of foster Uh, parents yes but unfortunately i know the very opposite end i will say that there are certain people that you know know that they have a good enough record to get by Mm -hmm. to get the basis to earn money you see movies like annie where like literally the foster mom says i'm only in it because i get a check from the state and and it's really it, it can be like that but i don't think it's nearly as harsh whereas they say they are a caring person. They say they love kids. They say they want to take care of kids until they have to take care of somebody else's kids mm. that have a not-so-conventional circumstance. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this because I get paid for it. Mm. Um, I very fortunately did not have that situation with my adopted mother, um, who is one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Okay. Um, mm. My, I'm not, I was the first foster child my mom ever took in, but I was definitely not the last. My mom is actually still a foster parent. Um, But there were many times where I believe my mom only got um, paid from the state for me for about four months, and then they stopped paying her. Oh, why? Um, Do you know? My mom, or my biological mother, had um, finally announced that she was uh, terminally ill. Um, And there was no possible way that I would ever be able to return home. Mm -hmm. And so it was no longer a foster care temporary placement. It was a finding me a permanent home placement. Um, And I think in situations like that and depending on the age, they just no longer fund because they have nothing to, like, it's almost like there's nothing to work for anymore. Mm. Um, It's not like they're working with the parent anymore. Um, And it was similar to my brother um, who was adopted um, by my mother, of course. Um, she never got any money from him because legally she was his godmother. Oh. So they were saying you are um, of kin relations, so you don't get any because you were technically his guardian. Wow. Um, and with my youngest sister, who was recently adopted as of a couple of years ago, um, I believe it's been a little over a year now. Um, my mom didn't get paid for the first six months that she had my little sister, and we got my little sister at four months old. Oh, my goodness. Um, so it was... That's almost, a lot of expense during that time. Yeah. You know, like, with, of course, my mom couldn't breastfeed her. My mom was mm-hmm. 50 years old when my, when my mom got my little sister, um, and that wasn't an option, and so formula was... Formula is expensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, baby food is expensive. Buying clothes for a child that... You know, we didn't exactly know that we were getting, there was no heads up. It was like a, hey, these two little girls need a home. Mm -hmm. And we had both uh, her and her sister for a little while, but then 
the older sister wind up going with a family member, but unfortunately we found out that they didn't have the same dad, so they couldn't go oh. with that. With Both of them couldn't go. And, and so my mom didn't get paid for a really long time, and their compensation was giving my mom a $200 Target gift card. And it, I mean, by no, ma- like, by no means do I mean to, like, of course, bash the state or anything like that. I understand there are a lot of kids in the system, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's not easy to keep up. And my mother has taken in a lot of children that have some sort of family relation to her. So I think they just kind of thought that my mom was taking them in out of love so she would pay for them out of love, which my mom, of course, always did. But at the same time, it's it's not easy. Yeah, Yeah, it was very hard financially. My mom got them when I was a senior in high school. So paying for things like prom and graduation and things like that, special moments that I thought I wanted, I had to almost take like a, a a second look at to make sure like, Amanda, is this something you really want? Or is this something you can wait? Something that, yeah. you know, you won't absolutely regret. Mm-hmm. And by no means do I regret any of the decisions of, that I made. I'm very glad that I told my mom, no, I don't need a sweet 16. I don't need a giant graduation party. Like, save that money to, like, get to where we need to be. Yeah. Make yeah. sure that these kids have somewhere forever to go. So yes. it kind of seems like that it can be a little bit of both when it comes to this thing that's been said that foster parents are in it for the money yeah some of them maybe are but a lot of them at least the good ones are really really in it for the kids yeah for sure the next one i want to hop over to is bringing home foster children will disrupt and upset biological children i feel like there's a there's a little bit of back and forth there with that one too for sure I will say that I do think that it's uh, one thing for a parent just to be a responsible parent to ask your biological child before you make drastic changes like that. Mm -hmm. Bringing a complete stranger into your home, especially a stranger that is around your child's age and just expecting them to roll with it can be traumatic, very traumatic. Mm -hmm. So taking that responsibility as a parent and making sure that your child is comfortable with it as well as they're okay and they understand the things that might be happening and that the transition may be hard. Um... Is something that I feel like that definitely needs to be discussed. Um, now there can be things kind of like in my situation, how my my mom has one biological daughter, and she is ten years older than I am, and she was about to graduate from high school when I first came. Oh, wow. When I first came, we were really, really close, and everything was really well, like went very well. But as time went on, she often said things around around the words of she wishes that like she would have said no Mm. um and it may just be because like there are ways that me and my mom my adopted mother like bond that her and her mother don't and i think that might just be more of like a a love language thing their love languages are a little bit different than me and my mother's love language Mm -hmm. i feel like everyone adapts to it and i feel that she just kind of felt that the love that me and my mother showed to each other was different, so it meant more, oh, in a way. Mm-hmm. And so there were often times where she would say kind of nasty things, and it did hurt my feelings. And as adults, we've kind of talked about it now, but there are just some times where I just kind of have to take a step back, and me and my sister don't have the closest relationship anymore. I think it's all for the best. Of course, I still wish her the best. Um, I do think that some things just... You don't really know what you're signing up for until... You know, you get yeah. there, and I think that was you, kind of one of her situations. Do you, do you think if she was closer to age than you, that would have been different? Um, it may have been different, um, but at the same time, 
with other personal things that my sister just has kind of going on. Um, I do believe that maybe being closer in age may not have actually helped. It might have made things worse because then there would have been things that me and my mom did that her and my mom didn't do. And I wouldn't want her to think that I was stealing her mom in a way. feel that that's kind of how she feels. So from what you're saying, I think you just have to be pretty careful and really have that conversation if you're looking to be a foster parent and you have biological kids whether they they really understand what's going to happen there yeah part of me says that even if you uh were biological your love language would still be the same and yeah if that's really the issue then it might have just happened anyway yeah but okay so this one (laughs) i almost sent this one to you prior to because i wasn't sure uh how you would feel about it but something that's said in a lot of in a lot of the media and portrayed a lot in um, TV shows and movies and stuff like that is that foster children carry their belongings in like trash bags and they don't really have anything and it's just treated very poorly. And of course this this was kind of like an up in the air like is is that actually a thing? I know that might be a terrible question to ask. No, but. it's actually, you'd be surprised. I think the first time I was removed from my mom's home, I had all my stuff in a trash bag. Wow. I'm not going to lie. Um, it depends on the circumstances of why the child was removed. Half the time, if they were removed for um, physical or emotional, any type of abuse, a lot of the times they won't send the kid with clothes because they're dirty or mm. they're ripped or they're too small or the parents just don't buy them any and so they don't have any clothes and they wear that same you know one like outfit Mm -hmm. for a really long time or there's times where you know you just packed your stuff in a walmart bag and you stayed at grandma's for a little bit yeah um because i don't know i guess your parent just didn't have the like funds to do anything like that Mm -hmm. in neglect cases it's almost the same um just because I mean, obviously you're being neglected. You're being neglected of your clothes, of food sometimes, of shelter, things like that. And so it just kind of depends. But there have been times where CPS will provide you a bag. Okay. I I think I had my duffel bag for a really long time. A part of my graduation kind of ritual for myself, um, I burned a lot of the things. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> At a rebellious moment, my mom was like, Mom, this is what I want to do. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, we're doing it in the backyard. And she's like, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, I, I guess that's <laughs> nice. Sometimes I burned, you like, purge, you know. Yeah, I did. I burned my duffel bag that I had. I burned, um, I think, like, my case file, like, a copy oh, wow. of what says why I was removed. Um, was that after you were adopted? or? Yeah, I, I think I did it like a couple days after my high school graduation. It was kind mm-hmm. of like a, an official, I'm restarting my life. Wow. I'm taking on a new me. I'm not letting all this, you know, define me. And it honestly made it a little bit easier to talk about yeah. because I, I wasn't letting it hold over me. I've got three more myths and then we'll get on to our actual questions, but these are really good. I like this discussion that we have going. So I'm going to go over the last three myths here and you can chime in whenever you like and we'll we'll discuss them from there. So it's all foster children are troublemakers. All foster children do poorly in school and all foster children have been abused. What are your thoughts on those? 
The first two are absolute myths. Um, not every like kid is a trouble or foster child is a troublemaker. Um, I mean, some kids are great, some kids are horrible. I just kind of <laughs> not gonna lie to you. Um, it it just kind of depends on the situation and honestly, just kind of what type of kid they are. Mm-hmm. Um, there are instances like mine where I had very very bad abandonment issues, and my way to compensate for those is I I did anything and everything that my foster parent wanted me to do. Mm. So if it was wake up at 6.30 in the morning so we can do chores, I was up at 6.30 in the morning doing chores. If it was you don't have liquids after 7.30 because they'd set an alarm to make sure that nobody came in and make sure that no kids snuck out because we did have some flight risk kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't drink water past 7.30 and I went to bed early so I made sure that I didn't, you know, have to get up to go to the restroom, whatever. Um, And so there were times like that where, like, a lot of my foster parents thought I was a really great kid, and I've even been asked if I wanted to be adopted by a couple of mine because they thought that I was just a very well-behaved kid. They were like, you know, she seemed like she just came from a really good home. Maybe mom just, you know, had a couple bumps along the way, whatever, whatever. But then there were also times where I've had foster, like, sisters or brothers that you know would get into fights I've got I went into a foster home where one of my foster sisters was just really nasty to everyone and one of the other girls finally stood up for herself and the not so nice one threw a TV out the window oh my goodness yeah and then ran I mean they caught her she didn't run very far but she like threw it out to like break the window I guess I don't know <laughs> and yeah she she took off and I mean they found her later that night but my foster parents were like she's not welcome back here you know there are times where things are very complicated mm-hmm. um, and it kind of goes the same way for school you know stress does differently to every person sometimes you know younger kids don't fully understand so they're not fully able to register the stress that comes with being taken away from your parent especially the way Mm. um somehow like sometimes when the like a caseworker or whatever when they explain to you what's going on sometimes they explain it very well and yes you're of course upset because you know you can't be with mom and dad but at the same time you fully understand what's happening so you're able to adjust to it and then you have caseworkers like some of mine who are like yeah you can't go home well, why can't I go home? Because your mom did a bad thing. Well, what was the bad thing? What did she do that was so bad? We can't tell you that, sweetie. Mm. Well, where am I going? We don't know yet. There were never any answers. And mm. so it kind of made me on edge about where I was going, what I was going to be doing. Am I going to wake up here? What am I going to do here? I'm getting in this lady's car, this, that, or the other. And so it was very... It was very stressful not knowing yeah yeah, of course um but at the same time um it it all worked out in the end so i guess it's fine (laughs) um and then hard yeah and then for the third one um technically all foster children have been exposed to some type of maltreatment but not Mm. abuse of course Abuse can be many different ways. It can be physical, emotional, um, you know, sexual, however it may be. Um, But there's also neglect, which isn't considered as abuse. It's considered as maltreatment. Um, 
And so I guess the, that would be considered a myth. Not every form is considered abuse, but um, it is some sort of maltreatment. Mm, okay. It seems like, I mean, there's there's a lot of stress associated with all of those things, and it's hard to expect children to be able to figure out how to express those things in a in a healthy way especially when no, no one's taught them to do that yeah so even if there are quote troublemakers i don't want to say there's good reason but there there's there's reason there's behind reason. it yeah it's not just them being troublemakers to be troublemakers yeah and a lot of the times when you see those quote-unquote troublemaker kids it tends to be the kids that are right at the peak of the teenage years mm-hmm. in between the ages of about we'll say 12 to about 17 and it's because they're angry and they're not necessarily angry with the the foster parent or whatever they're angry with themselves uh sometimes sometimes kids blame themselves for being taken away sometimes they're playing mad at their parents they're like why would you do this Mm. you know like i was almost there i could have done it myself you couldn't do the minimum of what you're supposed to do so like they wouldn't find out right um and then there are just some kids that are just plain mad at the system. Like, you yeah. didn't have to take me. I was doing fine on my own. Right. Um, and it's a defense mechanism. You sure. know, sometimes they're mad for reasons that they can't understand because they were never taught to understand or they don't want to understand because they believe that they would do fine by themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's sad, but yeah, true. I, <laughs> I completely, like, I understand wanting to do it all yourself. And it's hard not to be just like, well... I, I'm I'm done with everyone else. I'm just going to handle it on my, on my own. And yeah. A lot of... I can't speak for this, but it seems like a lot of runaway sort of situations mm-hmm. would, would follow that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we've gone through some of the myths or, or some of the rumors that we, we've heard a lot from the media. And now we're going to go to more of the question-based stuff. Uh, the first one I have for you, um, we kind of already answered already, but what they what they told you when that so- sort of thing was happening. But how would you describe your overall experience with foster care? Would you say it was positive or negative? Or <laughs> uh, that's a really complicated question. Very complicated, but, but um, like I said, um, the first time actually, I wasn't told anything. I was just dropped off at my grandma's. Um, and my mom told me she'd come back soon. Mm. So was it? Were, the, were there any like caseworkers involved in that? Um, they let my mom drop me off, mm-hmm. um, so it, it it wasn't so traumatic since I was so young. Um, and that was per request of my grandmother. She said that she didn't want her home to be associated with a bad thing, uh, okay. and I had already associated caseworkers with something bad. Um, so she just said that I was going to spend some time with at grandma's house and. Um, she said mommy was sick and that mommy was going to go get better and she'd be back soon. And I was going to spend time with grandma until mommy got better. And okay. I kind of took that. But then a week went by and I had asked my grandma, like, is mommy coming home? And she's like, not yet, baby. She's she's still working out her situation. And I said, okay. And two weeks would go by. And then a month would go by. And then the next month. And the next month. And... My grandmother didn't know what to tell me because the caseworkers told her that she wasn't allowed to tell me anything. 
Um, and so when I first got to see that, like, therapist that'll come, when you're in foster care, a lot of the times they'll send um, a therapist to your school mm-hmm. to just kind of check on you, see how you're doing, whatever, whatever. And every single time I'd be like, it's, my mommy's sick, but she says she's coming back for me. And that was the only thing I, I'd, I'd have wrap around my mind that after, I think after about maybe three months, I one day just kind of, oh, wow. <laughs> Excuse you. Um, after about the third month, I, I looked at my caseworker, Denia, and I was like, she's not coming back for me, is she? And they were like, well, baby, your, your mom's sick. And I was like, no one's ever been sick this long unless you're dying. Oh. <laughs> That's a rough... Uh, That's, it's kind rough of morbid to say, yeah. but, I mean, in, in my head, it was true, you know? At a five, six-year-old kid, you know, in kindergarten, wondering where the heck your mom is. Yeah. And she didn't call. She didn't come and visit. I never got a letter. I never got, I think, my birthday passed. And she, I was able to go back with her right before Christmas. Christmas break had come by. And she had kid behind my grandma. And, like, she popped out. My mom was, like, four nine. She was, like, tiny. So <laughs> she could definitely hide behind my grandma. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's my mom. But for a really long time, um... Like, I wanted my mom to sleep in the room with me. I slept with my mom. I was so afraid that one day she was just going to leave again. Yeah. Um, And lo and behold, a few months later, my mom kind of hit rock bottom again. Mm -hmm. And I went back with my grandma. Except this time, um, my sister and brother were there as well. Because I guess their mother had gone through something similar. And we had stayed there for a really really long time except this time it wasn't so bad for me because I I had somebody I wasn't so lonely it was just me and my grandmother the first time and my grandmother she she's a very busy woman and um she was working and I was in school and so I just kind of felt like it was me and her all the time whereas Mm -hmm. when my sister and my brother came I finally had someone to play with me and my Mm -hmm. brother are 18 months apart so me and him (laughs) We were water and oil, for God's sakes, but we were best friends at the end of the day. I'm going to have to clean that later. Um, (laughs) But me and my sister grew very close, and when I left, um, I don't think I wanted to leave because I had gotten so adjusted to my grandmother's house Mm -hmm. and being with my sister and... Lo and behold, again, I finally got taken away, but things had gotten just a little bit worse at my grandmother's house um my grandmother had recently gotten back with my grandfather who isn't my biological grandfather but they had been together for a really long time so practically yeah yeah. (laughs) and things had kind of gotten bad and um my grandmother had gotten really sick and i told them i didn't want to go back with my grandma and they asked why and i was like because my papa is there and he's mean to everybody Mm -hmm. he wasn't he was he had severe ptsd from being in the marines and he wasn't the nicest man in the world but he took care of us and now that i'm older i'm like yeah i could have stuck it out but at the same time i was like my young self knew what i was saying yeah i knew what i was doing he was mean to me and i didn't like it and so i said something now of course that kind of set myself up for failure at the end of the day because after that i went to i think six different foster homes oh my goodness um and each time i never knew what i was doing where i was going i started out with um my youngest sister got adopted, um, which is a whole nother story, but um, she left my mom at a very young age, and she went to go stay with her aunt and uncle from her father's side of the family. 
and I hadn't seen my sister since the day she had gotten taken away from my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were they told my sister's aunt and uncle, and they were willing to take me, um, but they didn't say for how long. And so I thought I was just moving in with my sister, and I got to see my baby sister again, and everything was going to be okay, because I had my baby again. Mm-hmm. So I called my little sister my baby. She's 17, <laughs> and I still call her my baby. It's fine. Um, well, that's sweet. that's sweet. And so I stayed there, and then about two and a half weeks later, I left, and I didn't know why. And I think I stressed myself out so much, I stressed myself into being sick. Mm-hmm. I literally was sick the whole way. Um, they didn't know what was wrong with me. They were in test after test and couldn't figure out what was going on. They were like, well, you know, maybe we're going to just... I think I got prescribed with my first, like, anti-anxiety type medicine then. And it helped because I stopped being so sick. Yeah. And then I went to a foster home. The first foster... My first foster home with a stranger. And I still love this lady. Her name is Vera. (laughs) Um, and she wanted to adopt me and I was going to get adopted until her husband got sick. And then my Mm. aunt, my great aunt reached out and said, Hey, I live in Houston and I want my niece. Mm. And so I went to Houston and I stayed with my aunt who now it's funny enough. I call her my auntie mom. Um, I stayed with her for a while and then she got sick, very, very sick. And she of course couldn't keep me anymore. And so... Um, by then, my mom had, I guess, gotten clean, and she had come up maybe once or twice to Houston to come see me, and I remember she had gotten so down under, I guess, with everything she had going on, that she had removed all of her natural teeth and got dentures. Wow. And I remember seeing her for the first time with dentures, and I... I mean, I told her she had a pretty smile, but I was like, I told after she left, you know, I, I asked my aunt, I was like, Auntie, like, why were her teeth like that? Like, I don't, she had pretty teeth, but they didn't look like that. Like, it didn't look right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm six slash seven, but I know what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah, and yeah, so, of course. My aunt kind of explained to me in the best way she could. She said that, like, you know, mom didn't like her teeth and so she got them fixed by like the teeth doctor and I was like oh okay hmm, whatever it's it's crazy what like child you can pick up pick up on when you're in that sort of environment in that sort of situation yeah and then I went through like maybe two or three more actually three or four more foster homes until I got to the one that I was permanently adopted in and after a few months after I got to that home, my mom had <coughs> came to me and my adopted mother and told us that she had cancer and she was dying. Mm-hmm. And well, she told my adopted mother, but she didn't tell me. And it was one day, I think it might have been a holiday, and I went to go and spend just about an hour or two there because, gracefully enough, my adopted mom let me spend every holiday with my parents if I wanted to um oftentimes I just said she can come here but I don't want to go there and so my mom very much respected my wishes and always was like you know Amanda would like for you to come here and spend the holidays with her but Mm -hmm. she doesn't really want to go out right um and it was always because even at the end of the day I loved my mom but I didn't trust her yeah um whereas I knew trust is earned yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah it kind of just 
spiraled into that. And one, the one day I finally said, you know, I'll go see my, I'll, I'll go see her at my grandma's house. My grandma kind of let it slip that my mom was sick and that she was dying. And it wound up not being cancer. I'm pretty sure it was liver cirrhosis, but mm. it's fine. <laughs> um, we come from an, like an immigrant family that isn't like super into everything medically so they were just like she's sick something's going on with her liver and there is a possibility that my mom could die because it was very bad right Um, chronic yes and so i think they just like it's cancer and so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that happened and after that i was like okay well if you're not going to be my mom can she be my mom and she was like well baby if that's what you want you know like I, I would very much want her to be your new mommy if that's what you want. And I said, yes, that's what I want. Wow. And so my mom's had a conversation, and she was like, it seems that Amanda's very happy in your home, and she wants you to be there for her forever. And she's like, okay, well, we'll talk to her about it. And that very night, I was like, mama, can you be my mama? And she was like, I am your mama. I said, no, like, forever, though. And she was like, okay. Oh, and really so nice. we went, and I told my caseworker, I told my CASA, and... I was able to be adopted, and a couple of years later, weirdly enough, they gave my mom a year to live, and she lived five years after, but wow. in between that time, I finally read my case file. Um, mm. I don't suggest that to any foster kid until you are very much ready. I wasn't. I thought I was, and I went down a rabbit hole of anger. I was mad at my mom. I didn't talk to her for two years. Mm. I made up with her a week before she passed away. Wow. And so... That's yes, good. don't read it unless you're ready, kids. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're listening and you have been in the foster care system, uh, don't take read Amanda's the file. advice. <laughs> take Amanda's advice. Don't read your file unless you're uh, absolutely ready. Not only, hard. especially if you have siblings, not only do you read about yourself, you read about your siblings. Oh, every wow. single time they were, you know, all I read every single time my older siblings were, um, every time they were, removed and why i read my mother's history i read my father's history i read everyone's history which i didn't even know they could get access to because both of my parents well at least one of my parents that i completely know of is an immigrant mm. you know she she's not from here right and yet they knew all the way back until i think she was i want to say they went as far back as seven. Oh my god they moved here when she was about a teen so yeah i wow. want to say they went back as far as like seven years old <coughs> And reading it, a lot of the things that my mom did and the reason why she acted the way she did kind of made sense. But at the same time, it made me very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard for not her. to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah. I will say that I feel like communication should definitely be something that's more considered in the foster mm-hmm. system. My was, mine wasn't exactly the most positive of all but i will say that at the end of the day mine had a happy ending and so i'm yeah i'm glad it seems uh, i mean kids like yourself in that sort of situation it it's hard to bring yourself to be fully truthful with a kid and and try to figure out what their level of understanding is but Mm. in my feeling is that you should be as truthful and open and upfront as possible because i mean is it worse to know what's going on exactly or is it is it worse to have all these questions yeah i don't know i don't know from a perspective of someone who's gone through the system and and been in there uh 
what would you say the goal of it is, and do you think it actually accomplishes that goal? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I understand that, like, the goal is to remove the child from a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, you know, it's supposed to help the mom or the dad get their life together. But putting the child through trauma doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't help. I understand that, you know, a lot of the foster parents that are here in the system can be amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my foster parents being some of them. But at the same time, no matter how great your foster parent is, you don't remember how great your foster parent is until you're older. The mm-hmm. only thing you think about... <laughs> the only thing you think about when you're a child is, I don't have my mom. My mom doesn't love me. My mom left me. My mom's not coming back. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. There are so many... There is a higher percentage of children that used to be in the foster care system that are now in mental health facilities or need some type of mental health interference than anyone else in the entire world. Mm. And it's because no one, no one's open, no one's truthful, no one ever fully explains whether it's I mean obviously these kids are going through things that aren't developmentally appropriate no I'm not saying you might as well tell them but at the same time you might as well explain something right because regardless they're going to Mm -hmm. yeah regardless they're going to find out Mm -hmm. because there are those evil and nasty fosters foster sisters and brothers or those evil people that are just in it for the money that get mad at the kid and tell them in the most ugliest way I've seen a foster sister say, that's why your mom does this, this, and that. And she did it on purpose because she didn't love you and wanted you to go away forever. I've literally seen a foster sister tell someone that. Wow. Now, granted, I was one of those, believe it or not, quiet kids (laughs) who (laughs) never said anything because I refused to get my feelings hurt like that. But it sucks. And I cried for the girl Mm -hmm. because I can't, I couldn't imagine, you know, that being true. But at the same time, you're still in a situation where you you don't, you know, don't know anything. You don't yeah. know what to expect. So it could be true. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, you could think that for sure. And especially when you know you have a mom that was that tried to be as open as mine, mm-hmm. and so she told me the truth. But when I knew the truth, and she would then go on and do the thing she knew she wasn't supposed to do anyways mm-hmm. it was a it was a giant slap in the face yeah I was like you course. just told me two months ago this is the reason why they want to take you from me and now you're you did it last night and now we're back in this office and they want to you know prick your finger and take your hair because they know you did it and mm-hmm. you're gonna lie to them and tell them that you didn't mm. like yeah. I have bruises from this, that, and the third, and you're going to tell them that I fell. It it doesn't, you know, you promised me you wouldn't, and then you did again, and then you read things like the case file, and you realize, okay. These are all the things, all the times you did this. These are all the times you did this. These are all the times you did this with someone else. This is when you did it to Sissy. This is when you did it to, you know, this person. This is the person that did it to you when you were younger, so you probably thought it was okay. And then on top of this, that, and the third, and you doing this, and you having this mental illness. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's okay, but it's kind of explainable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know you said that as far as the system goes, 
I mean, it's hard. It's hard to just like take your kid away, have that goal of taking the kid away to help the parent like get to that better place. And I will say that like, but it's what not. What would you suggest? I will say that I know that they do have things lined up for the parent. Yeah. And there are some times where the system really freaking works with you. Yeah. I know there are parents that like get in trouble time after time for drugs and fighting and staying with a guy that they know isn't good for them and is causing danger into their home. And the state's like, listen, we're going to help you get into a new place. We can't have you tell the boyfriend where you're at. We're going to help you get this job. And we're going to put you, like, on Section 8. Or we're going to put you in food stamps. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do this. And we're going to do that. So you can get your child back. Mm-hmm. Offer them to slap the state's face. <laughs> and be like, mm, but he's my baby daddy and I love him. So I'm going to stay with him. I'm going to tell him. Even though he slaps me. Like, even though he punches me in my face and throws my kid downstairs. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so there, there's a give and take. I feel like there are times where the kid at the end of the day gets the worst end of the stick. Almost every time the kid usually gets the worst end of the stick because at the end of the day it's still traumatic. Where No matter what. Yeah, whether you're as young as my kid, four months old, or if you're as old as I am. And, I mean, some states you do have to wait until 21 until you age out. Wow. Um, and so I feel like the, the children, the goal for the children should be thought out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Whether it's figuring sense. something out that's developmentally appropriate to telling them what's going on and what's going to happen. Or, heck, making the parent own up. Mm-hmm. Describe to that parent what they need to tell their kid. Whether it's, mommy did something she wasn't supposed to do. Mommy did something illegal, against the law. Something that is not good to do. And because of this, mommy's in trouble. Right. Like, when you do something you're not supposed to and you get in trouble at home, mommy's gotten in trouble with the big guys. And so mommy has to go away and figure something out. Mommy has to go and serve her punishment. Mommy has to take a timeout. And that timeout means that she can't be with you at the moment. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt for her and it's going to hurt for the kid. But at the same time, hearing it from the word of, like, Hearing word of mouth from the person that you're getting taken away from or hearing it from, hearing it, how do I explain this? Hearing it and getting the explanation that you need from the person that you need it from most. Right. Instead of getting it from a complete stranger that's then going to take you by the hand and drag you to a stranger Mm -hmm. that a lot of times in movies are very poorly portrayed. They just think it is heartless people that just kind of drag a kid in a car they're still a stranger no matter how yeah. how much care like they that's, have. I feel like for it's the kid. And no hate on caseworkers. I love every caseworker I've ever gotten and I actually hope to be a caseworker one day. It's very correctly portrayed in movies. Mm-hmm. No matter how sweet that caseworker tries to be, it feels like a stranger is ripping you heartlessly from your parent and putting you in a car and taking you somewhere you have no idea where you're going. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Because the kid didn't do anything wrong. Right. You're taking the kid away and they didn't do anything wrong. I do like the way that it was settled at first whenever I went to my grandmother's house and it was with someone I knew and my mom dropped me off. And yes, I was pissed off because I knew my mom, after a while, she wasn't going to come back and when she said she was going to come back. Mm -hmm. But it was with someone that I knew and that I knew loved me and that I knew would take care of me instead of a complete stranger that I had never met. And I get that not every situation is as great as that. Not everyone has... Goodness. 
not everyone has um like extended family that is willing to do that and some of them you know kind of enable the parent still allow you to be with them you know without supervision and stuff like that there are protocols that need to happen of course but I don't know I feel like a a, a different kind of communication needs to be set yeah. out definitely with the kids with the kids mm-hmm screw the parents at this point <laughs> they do what they need to like you yeah. you send the kid like you send the parent to you send them to parenting classes you send them you know to all these new things that can help them get better and if they decide not to do that that's on them but at the same time I don't feel like the kid should get the short end of the stick because you don't know what you don't want it mm-hmm. for them nor for yourself yeah do you have any advice for listeners who may have been in the foster system besides don't read your case file? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that not every foster parent is out to get you. Not every, you know, person in the world is out to get you. There are people in this world that love you and that want to see the best in you, even if you don't know them. I have some of my closest friends have been more supportive and loving than some of the people I have in my own family. And I've only known them for a year or so, you know, mm-hmm. um, find those people that, you know, will be there for you. But don't be naive. Um, just because that guy says that he loves you and he's going to take care of you does not mean that. Let him prove it, girl. Let him prove it. <laughs> um <laughs> And then vice versa for the dude. If homegirl says, I love you, I'm going to be there for you forever, let her prove it. They have just as much responsibility as we give y'all. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you have that friend that is willing to be there for you, that is willing to take the heat, not criminally, but take the heat for you as being there for you when you need them and so on and so forth, let them be there. Let them, you know be a friend don't be so closed off because you're scared fear is never the answer when it comes to things like this we've had all the time in the world to be scared you know Mm -hmm. don't don't let fear take over your life i let fear rule my world for so long that i miss so much time yeah don't let fear waste your time don't let anger waste your time you don't have to forget the lesson that you know whatever happened taught you don't forget the lesson but forgive 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 but don't forget i don't like when people say forgive and forget because then you forget the lesson don't ever forget the lesson but use everything that has happened to you as a moment to empower yourself you've been through all that you have Mm -hmm. don't let the slightest thing stop you now right Right. what advice do you maybe have for listeners who are advocates or or want to be advocates for making a better foster care system or being a foster parent keep advocating keep talking keep going out there go to those shelters go to those mental facilities go to those foster homes ask those parents what do you need to help these kids do you need like do they need clothes you know not that's uh, we're the state is very underfunded when it comes to you know the child and protective services and stuff like that they don't have all the money in the world to go and buy these kids new clothes i think the very first time that i got sent to a foster home that we thought was going to be permanent they gave my foster parent a hundred dollar gift card to target 
<laughs> which is like getting a $20 gift card to Walmart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, no hate on that. I appreciate it. But at the end of that night, you know, my foster mom, I want to say, spent $400 of her own money to make sure that I had everything I needed. Right. You know, people that are advocating, no, I'm not saying it's money-based, but check on those kids. If you know that kid's situation, even if you don't know every single detail, if you know that kid's going through a hard time, whether they're in the foster system or not, actually, check on that kid. Mm-hmm. Check on that teenager. Check on that young mom. Check on that girl that looks scared, that sits by herself all the time. And that goes for teachers. That goes for volunteers. That goes for the school bus driver. Like, it it, it goes every way. And, I mean, it goes for the foster kids, too. Like, yeah, we know that our, there. like, I want to say foster kids may be the best masking people ever in the world. Mm-hmm. Because nobody will ever know what you go through until they sit down and ask. Right. But knowing that, you know that other people mask. A lot of the times, we can tell when someone's masking because we've done it all our lives. Right. Ask that person if they're okay. Ask that foster kid. Ask that lady that's, you know, that lives next door to you that knows that you're a foster kid because she saw you getting out of that car kicking and screaming. Mm. Ask her for help. You never know how she's going to advocate for you. She may be in that courtroom the day that you go back with your mom or the day that you get adopted. Yeah. Just be there. Yeah. Be yeah. there. That's the number one thing that any foster kid will tell you to do. I don't want your money. I don't need you to buy me all the presents in the world. I don't want a sweet 16. I don't want to, I don't want to this. I don't want to that. I don't want a car. I want you to be there. Yeah. That relationship. I mean, uh, and of course, at the time of this recording, it's, we're getting over a global pandemic and, and knowing how much family and even blood who, people who are not blood being family it's it's really important to be close to people yeah it really is so it's a big thing all right uh so we went over a lot of information today folks and there is still plenty of material out there on this topic i've included a lot of resources linked in the bottom about being a foster parent about foster care in general you can look at all those um i did include where i got those statistics from the very beginning i'll include those in the description as well so you can look at them it was a whole study done and there were some other ones done in uh, like california about foster children there and uh, demographics and such things like that it is very interesting if you're interested in uh, learning more if you'd like to know more or maybe I didn't cover something, um, I can get in touch with Amanda or I can send you with some more information. Just send us a message on one of our Facebook, uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram on our page at the planet 100.7 and be sure to check back for the next upload. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to have that all about mental health and self-care. So a good one to follow this one. Ooh. Yeah, I'm bringing on a, uh, a counselor from Tarleton State University and it's be fun. <laughs> Alia is ready to be done. She says, I need a self-care day too. Yes, exactly. exactly. Bubble bath and baby mask. That sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah, let's let's all do that. All right, folks. Until next time, be safe out there and take care. Bye. This has been a Tarleton Radio Network podcast with production from me, Taylor Welch, and me, Carissa Cole. Find more great shows by searching Tarleton Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.